Hello and welcome to episode one of the Data Protection Tea Break. The intention of this podcast, and hopefully it'll be the, the first one of many, is for the Data Protection Authority in Guernsey to start talking about data protection, how it impacts people's lives, um, some of the history behind it and some of the context uh, around that. But also what I think we'd like to discuss is things like you know, why data is valuable. And there's lots of you know, conversations going on, lots of uh, information on the on the news, etc., saying you know, data is the new oil. Uh, well, we're going to explore that a bit. We're going to talk about where why we think it's valuable and how it impacts the individual, how it impacts businesses. Uh, and we're going to look at the legislation. We're going to look about look at the finer elements of this. But we're going to break this down into bite-sized chunks. We've called it a tea break so that we can try and contain each episode into about fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh, time whilst people sit down and have a cup of tea uh, and with me uh, I've got Rachel will be doing introductions a second and um, and where we will talk about uh, how that this impacts people and hopefully you'll find it of interest. So moving on to the first part of the podcast uh, I'm going to introduce myself my name is Tim Loveridge um, I am the Chief Operating Officer at the Data Protection Authority in Guernsey um, and I guess my responsibilities are primarily to make sure that this organisation runs smoothly uh, and it's effective from an administration perspective, making sure you know the office is clean, the IT works, um, all the staff are happy, that type of thing. But with me, uh, I have the Deputy Commissioner, uh, Rachel Marston. I'm going to hand over to her to do her introduction. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, I'm uh, Rachel Marston, the Deputy Data Protection Commissioner. My role here is, as the name suggests, to deputise for the Commissioner. Uh, I get involved in case handling, uh, regulation, enforcement um, and awareness um, for uh, data protection across the Bailiwick of Guernsey. Um, I've been lucky enough to be at this organisation for almost six years now and um, hopefully it's not too sad to say this is sort of my dream job. Fantastic. So, okay, well, we'll get into the why it's your dream job in a a bit. Uh, We we thought that podcasting is kind of a good way for people to digest it at their own pace. Uh, As I said earlier, we we do intend this to be a 15, 20-minute kind of segment. Uh, This very first one will be putting what our ambitions are into some sort of context. And then hopefully what we'll do in the future is we'll start to dig into some of the details around this and how it it impacts you if you're trying to run a business, if you're trying, if you want to be more aware of your rights as as an individual and how we as a regulator can help. Okay, so starting up, let's talk about a bit of the history of, of data protection and particularly here in Guernsey. Uh, Rachel, can you give us some context about, I guess, key points in time? Okay, so 25th of May last year, our new data protection law came into effect across the bailiwick. But actually, there's been data protection legislation in Guernsey since 1986. So it's not the revolution that everybody thought it was last May, although last May was a big change, not only locally, but across the EU when the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, came into effect across uh, Europe as well. And the bailiwick decided that in order to keep pace with the change, to create a level playing field for local businesses across Europe, and to make sure that local citizens got the same rights over their personal data as EU citizens, that we would update our legislation, hence the new law from May last year. And just to touch on that, I mean, because so... GDPR is the European legislation, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so, so everybody says, oh, we have to become GDPR compliant. But in Guernsey, we have our own law. It's not the GDPR law. It's our own interpretation of a law to allow us to achieve equivalence, really, I yes. suppose. So, so just explain a bit more about that. 
Yes, so locally, obviously, we're not part of the EU, so we can set legislation as we see fit. But because of the reliance on business with EU member states, the UK, for however long that is going to continue, and other states across across Europe, we have historically had legislation that has been declared adequate by Europe, that they feel that we meet the same standards as they're looking for, and that they're comfortable with EU data coming to Guernsey uh, so that we can support the local economy here. And as such, when the rules changed across Europe, it was felt we needed to follow suit and change as well. But it is a local interpretation of. It's not an exact mirror of GDPR. And the key words that came out of a, a court case a few years ago is essential equivalence. So our legislation is essentially equivalent to GDPR, but with its own little local Guernsey twist. Nuances. Yeah, just yeah. to make life that a little bit more interesting. <laughs> I think we should also add um, at this juncture that we're recording this on the, what is it, the 26th of uh, March 2019. So we're right in the middle of listening to all the Brexit negotiations going on in the UK and the relationship between the UK and, and the EU. And, uh, and everybody is currently thinking about what part we're going to play in all of that. And so it's a bit up in the air at the moment. You know, we're talking about extensions and timetables and revoking different things. And so we'll have to wait and see how that pans out so listening back on this in a year's time might be quite interesting (laughs) we might be wrong we'll have to wait and see indeed but for anybody listening now and who's worried about how brexit's going to impact the bailiwick the legal drafting team had the foresight to write into the legislation the um, ability for uh, the states of deliberation to declare uh, the United Kingdom as an adequate jurisdiction for data transfers. So reassuring to uh, local businesses that when Brexit happens, and we don't know exactly when, uh, you will still be able to transfer personal data to the UK for a period of time. Um, So it doesn't all stop data-wise on whatever their exit date and when you, is. when you say a period of time, I mean, is there a finite period of time or is that open-ended until such time as something else replaces it? How does that work? At the moment, it's a, there's sort of two answers to that question because we like making life uh, that little bit more complicated. The finite end of the, the legislation that allows the UK to be recognised is uh, the end of December 2020, which would have been the same day as uh, Theresa May's withdrawal agreement expires. Um, so sort of allows for transition. So that remains in the legislation, but the legislation will also be revoked if the European Commission pass or make a decision around the UK's adequacy going forward. So okay, the UK so, so, have to bid for adequacy like okay. we had to. So for the time being, we're safe, though, because of that yeah. relationship with the UK? Yeah. Okay. So, so going back on, uh, I guess, where we started, so to, um, I, I, I really do want to start to dig into, um, you know, what is data? Let's talk about what is data okay. and, and why that's important to us. Uh, and, and so why we felt it was necessary to get involved in the whole GDPR thing, to start thinking about how we develop our own legislation around it to support all this activity. You know, why is it important, Rachel? It's very difficult these days to do anything without creating some form of a data trail. Your involvement with organisations, with government, there's always going to be data that is collected as part of that. Some of it will be overt data that you know that you're providing. Others will be things that are created by the system. You might have um, browsing data for your what you're doing on the internet. It's electronic footprint type yes. stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So- yeah. A number of years ago, uh, to celebrate um, Data Protection Day, a BBC journalist, as I understand it, tried to go for an entire day without 
leaving any kind of electronic footprint. And essentially, he ended up standing in the middle of a field with his dog and, and with no technology with him at all, because that was the only way that he was going to be able to not leave some form of a footprint. And all of that is data, and that can then be used by organisations for various different things. A number of occasions it's used for good, to deliver services yeah. to and, us and, and, yeah. and do do what we're wanting organisations to do. Um, but then there needs to be safeguards around that so that it is only used appropriately and, and as we were expecting in, in a right and proper way and isn't then used uh, to our detriment or, or to unduly influence something in, a, in an inappropriate manner. Because I, th- I think it's a good point. You see all this stuff in the news about how people have misused data. I don't know, uh, identity theft, all of these types of things are very much you know, uh, front and, and centre when you talk about data protection. But equally, you know, the capturing of data and profiling people can often be used for good so that people can find what they want they can live happy lives they can achieve the things they set out to do um, and, and I think it's it's important to to appreciate it's not all evil you know data protection or data in in uh, and the capability to collect data for a variety of good reasons is very important in the 21st century but we do need to put in safeguards in place and we do need to protect the individual and and this is what I guess why we're here yes indeed and data protection legislation of course has its origins right back to just after the Second World War when they were looking at human rights as a result of uh, the things that went on um, during the Second World War, the the various atrocities uh, that occurred. And so you have the right to to a private life as one of the rights within the European Convention of Human Rights and the the updated uh, European Charter. You have a, a right to privacy sort of comes alongside with that, but you also, obviously your data needs to be used for various things to, to deliver various services. Yeah. So it's getting that balance so that it's it's only used in a right and proper way. So talk to me about the law then. So okay. so from May twenty fifth last yeah. year, and, and I think we'll we'll touch on in uh, in, in future podcasts other things that are happening uh, as we go through twenty nineteen into twenty twenty. But but let's talk about you know the big event for us the twenty fifth of May last year, mm-hmm. and you know what changes did that mean as far as our uh, respect of data and you know the impact on people's lives. Um, okay, one of the biggest changes that came out um, with the new legislation, both locally and across Europe, is this idea of accountability. So beforehand, in the previous legislation, there were various principles that needed to be complied with, and unless an organisation was ever questioned by us or by an individual about what they were doing, they just trotted along and, and did what they felt they needed to do. But there was not necessarily any, uh, or a great deal of, of evidence about what they were doing, or accountability about the way that they were needed so to the behave. Opportunity- or abuse were potentially there were areas there yes now often things sorry to interrupt but often I think the the thing I found interesting because I'm kind of new to this game really I've not been working in this field for very long but the other but one of the things you notice is that people simply didn't realize the information they were collecting wasn't relevant and it did open them up to misuse that and sometimes subconsciously really and so there's a huge educational piece that needs mm-hmm. to be with this as well sorry I'll, I'll yes. rub it in no there is there is a great deal of education needs to be be done um, and we'll be looking at that this is part of why we're doing this tea break series now but the accountability is all about understanding why you you've have data as an organization what you're doing with it thinking about how you're going to use it at a time when it's appropriate so at the beginning 
beginning of a, a journey through a, a new project or whatever, rather than um, waiting until somebody complains about how they think their data has been used. Building in privacy, building in safeguards, because data at the end of the day is very important to individuals, but it's also important to organisations. And you don't necessarily want your data to be used in a way that... Um, it's going to cause as an organisation, cause you problems. You want to be able to leverage that data, get the best value out of it, be able to use it for what you need to do, but without too much extra risk about holding it, holding things that are too old. The more data you hold, the more risk you have potentially. So you want to make sure that you get the balance right. Because and other things around that, because I, I guess it's it's reduced now, but the whole data trading was a very big deal, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, particularly running up until the twenty fifth of May, was you know people were collecting information about individuals and they were trading that with other people so that they could then spam them or you know, overload them with information. And, and I think, am I right in saying that you know the introduction of GDPR equivalent laws was one of those things to try and stop all of that happening and to safeguard the individual? Is that uh, Yes, it was to bring those things to the forefront so that people are aware of how their data is going to be used. So that now you should be getting much clearer information um, from organisations when, when they start collecting your data about what they're going to be doing with it, where they're going to be sharing it, how they're going to be using it. So you've got um, a greater element of control, a greater understanding of what's happening with that data so that you can understand the journey. So those you should, you should get fewer occasions where you get an email in your inbox and think, where have I got that from? I don't remember anything about dealing yeah. with that company. This, this touches on consent, eh, which is a very interesting topic. Can, mm-hmm. can you just expand on the whole concept of consent? Well, you, consent is one of the uh, various lawful processing conditions for being able to use data. Consent is, is sought by organisations on occasions when they want your consent to do something, so when they want to uh, check that you're happy with that. Organisations don't gen, don't always need to ask for consent. There's other reasons why they can process personal data, uh, other lawful bases, but they should be telling you what's going on. So even if they're not asking your consent, even if they're legally obliged to do something or that it's part of the contract that you have with that organisation that they need to process it. They should be telling you that's what's happening. So you shouldn't get those occasions where you get the surprise of, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. You might not have given consent, as I say, because something else will be being used instead, but you know that, and, and so you know how your data is going to be used. And is it all around digital? So so when we talk about data, are we solely talking about digital? So, so for instance, when somebody asks for your consent to do something with the information they hold on you, mm-hmm. do you anticipate that that's in a database somewhere? If they ask for your consent, it has to be via email? Or, that's, or, or is, there, is this broader than just the digital world we live in? It's much broader than just the digital. Um, data protection legislation came into force across the 80s, across various European um, countries predominantly because of the rise of computers and a a fear in some respects about how now being able to have it all in a computer was going to be, people were going to be able to make decisions about you and, you know, collating it in a way that you didn't have it before. But actually the legislation locally and and across Europe now recognises data as any information. So it's not just digital, it's hard copy information as well that you may hold. And and then the, the entire life cycle of that information, so from the collecting it, um, storing it, using it, disclosing it and getting rid of that data. It all needs to be done in um, recognition of the data protection laws and with an accountable frame of mind. That's right. So you have to put frameworks about around how you deal with the data, devising policies around that and making sure you stick to them. And I think that what we'll do in later episodes is we'll, we'll talk about not just the rise of the individual and their interaction I guess not just with the companies and the organisations they interact with, but also the interaction with us as regulators. 
But I, I think we will also be touching on the responsibilities of the organisations and the companies and, and how that all works as well. This ecosystem that, that you know, inevitably is, is growing and developing as, as, uh, as, we, as we enter the, you know, the 2020s, I suppose, not very far away. So. And if I can loop back round to the point you made at the beginning about data being the new oil, I have heard it described by uh, Boyena Bellamy from the Centre of Information Policy Leadership that actually we should be thinking of data as the new su- new sunshine so have a sustainable approach to it so it's not something that you you get and you use up and, and you ha- yeah. don't have anymore but actually in order for organizations to function and to uh, leverage the opportunities available they need to treat it um, in a sustainable way and to make sure that they keep it going and they keep hold of it um, because of course customers um, and clients can vote with their feet in a number of occasions and if they don't like what an organization does they can up and go and take their information, you know, take their business with them, and then that organisation suffers as a result. So thinking of it in a sustainable way and an ethical way is, is a way to move forward, I think. What a great way to, to think of it. That's a really great place to leave this first episode of the Data Protection Tea Break. And we really hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you join us for more in the future. A bit of housekeeping, what we intend to do is host this on the SoundCloud platform. So to find us, search for Data Protection Tea Break. Over time, we will be extending this onto the Apple platform, but that'll take a bit of time and a bit of effort, so just bear with us. But finally, I just want to say that we want to hear from you. We want to hear if you've got any questions, if you want to find out more about certain topics or certain areas of data protection that you find confusing, then just let us know by contacting us through communications at odpa.gg. Email us and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.